0: relevant content for our members by our members this is tmc connect good afternoon everyone rich swabinski with the mortgage collaborative here once again with a special 12 days of tmc edition of the last week in mortgage today you know with the 12 days of tmc event going on we were trying to decide should we do 12 days of TMC or should we do last week in mortgage today through it uh, nice following that we've developed. We're not, you know, we're going to make it just part of the agenda, and we're going to we're just going to pick the all star team uh, to join us as the co hosts for the three episodes that uh, span it. So lucky for our listeners and viewers, uh, we have got a couple of great co hosts today. I'll go ahead and introduce them. Um, known by many in the TMC network at this point, uh, one of our go tos on everything really. Uh, president of Nationwide Mortgage Bankers. Jody Hall. Jody, great to see you.
1: Thank you, Rich. Thank you for having me. Great to see everyone virtually. Um, Definitely miss the uh, face-to-face interaction, but love the 12 days of TMC.
0: Awesome. And back again after speaking at 12 days last year, president of First American DocuTech, Amy Brandt. Amy, great to see you.
2: Thank you, Rich. Thanks for having me. I guess you just can't get rid of me. I keep showing up at these events.
0: <laughs> we keep asking you. So, yeah. so, well, a lot to get to uh, as usual. We'll rifle through the uh, the news headlines here, uh, but more broadly, uh, Amy and Jody, two of the more tech knowledgeable humans I know uh, in the mortgage industry. So, really anxious to just get you no know, more broad discussion on what you guys are seeing and seeing and hearing. Just you know, kind of in the emerging tech side of our business, a lot of action and activity from our members as of late. So curious to get your guys' thoughts. So um, getting in, before we get into it, Jody, you didn't lay off a thousand people on uh, YouTube by any chance this week, did you? No?
1: Absolutely not. And I'm uh, trying to take advantage and hiring um, from that company that decided to, um, to pull off that stunt. Um, it's very interesting time um, in the industry, but no, we're still hiring. We're, we're good to go looking for good people. So any of those better.comers out there that um, are very tech forward, uh, Nationwide Mortgage Bankers is looking for you.
0: Look at that. A solution to uh, right the layoff issue. I love it, Jody. So, um, so let's start with it's not new news anymore, but the conforming loan limit change. And Amy, you know, we've talked to members of ours about the impacts to them in their business with this. And Jody, I'm curious to get your perspective on this as well. But uh, Amy, curious from you know your guys' side, really, you know, entitlement settlement uh, services, document services, technology side, any impact? Uh, you had to know something was coming, obviously, but how, if at all, does that impact your business?
2: at this point, we have a pretty good uh, process for assimilating regulatory changes and rule changes and, you know, in this case, conforming limit changes. So it's not a particularly difficult thing to ingest and and have um, ready for the markets immediately. So not a big not a big problem. I think we'll expect to see maybe more conforming loans as a result. (laughs) Um, But really, from our perspective, it doesn't make a big difference.
0: Jody, your thoughts on the change?
1: Yeah, um, I actually, we're going to about um, housing inventory in a few minutes, but um, we see it as a big advantage because um, we do business in a lot of areas that are high balance. Our average loan size is um, over $400,000 a loan. So um, this is an advantage for us in being able to offer conforming loan rates to what would be high balance borrowers, jumbo borrowers. Um, so we see it as an advantage for us as, an, as lenders to go back and take a look at those clients who are applying for jumbo loans that fall within that category, whether it be for purchase or even closed purchase transactions so that we can offer them a lower rate than what they went into last year. Um, so we're scrubbing our pipeline and uh, doing what we can to retain customers because we know that our competition will be uh, doing the same. But I do see it as increasing the um, available credit to borrowers who might have been priced out of the market at higher, um, higher home values. So I think that some sellers that are right in that sweet spot of what the increase was, that they're going to see that they have more offers coming to the table. So we're furthering our housing shortage issue that we have in the industry. um, But, you know, we'll do what we can from a refinance perspective to take advantage of the increases.
2: Jody, isn't it not just rates, it's also qualifications. I mean, it, it is much harder to qualify for and meet all the documentation requirements of a jumbo loan. So it will make it easier for some of these folks to to qualify and get in those homes.
1: Yep, for sure. And those that were on the, you know, the DTI, like there can yeah. be, there's a huge difference in that large of a loan amount with even, you know, three-eighths of a percent decrease in interest rate in those conforming loan limits. So huge advantage for the home buyer out there that is. Um, that is in in that you know sweet spot for the conforming loan
2: limits. say la vie affordable housing.
0: But yet another thing to increase the demand side of our industry. Uh, we we're kind of talking about this before we went live, and I get it that the supply side is where the challenge is, and it's not as easy to create supply as it is to do things to help with demand, but we're going to get into housing inventory in a little bit. But, uh, you know, I was talking with Rob Chrisman on our show Friday about this, like a little surprised that they raised 18% to match this year over year uh, national uh, home appreciation uh, mark, just because, you know, has, I don't even know, has Fannie and Freddie ever lowered the conforming loan limit? Has that ever happened? you guys know?
1: I actually looked at this because um, a reporter um, from some publication asked me the question and said, what happens if home values decrease and they decrease the loan limit? So I researched it and there has been, you know, where the bar graph goes like this and then there will be a plateau for a period of time that it will go up. But I never saw a decrease and it was I, it was like 30 years of, of uh, data that I was looking at and I've never seen a decrease. Hmm
0: well we'll see what happens you know i don't think a lot of people uh, are predicting a crash in home values just because of the challenges on the supply side but and i guess it's statutory i guess to some level rob was telling me that it, it has to follow uh the home values national. I, I never knew that but uh, uh we'll see what happens. it's going to be an interesting year uh, in 2022 as always for our industry uh never know what's around the corner so, um, with that, the never-ending pandemic, I mean, Omicron sounds like some sci-fi monster, like couldn't they have come up with a better name for this variant? It's terrifying sounding, but um, you know, wreaking havoc with markets the last week or so. Uh, we saw mortgage rates dip down when the, the news of the variant kind of came out. Saw the yield in the 10-year treasury, the 30-year fixed rates are in a lot of ways tied to drop by about 30 basis points. It's crept back 10 or 15 of those since then. But uh, Jody, I'll start with you. Just, you know, your thoughts on, uh, you know, the potential short and long-term impacts, interest rates, the Fed came right out and said, listen, now we're going to, if anything, accelerate our taper. Um, Really concerned about some of the inflationary data that continues to come out. But uh, your thoughts on the lingering pandemic in general and its lingering impact on rates in our industry.
1: Yeah, I definitely think that, you know, Omicron is the hype right now, but it's kind of like, hey, look at this, here's Omicron. And while the Delta virus is causing like historically high hospitalizations still. um, So I think that that's what the focus is. But the the primary thing is the uncertainty. Um, And so, you know, individuals, when they become uncertain, then we start to see the bond market be more favorable. I don't think that we've seen, you know, we've seen those rates creep back up, even though the Treasury isn't coming back up because the investment. And the agencies are really knowing what the Fed's intention is of you know really speeding up the tapering. So I think that we it's a weird environment that we're in um, for a number of reasons, not just Omicron. It's you know uncertainty with Russia and you know the market itself you know is going. We see the fluctuations in the stock market going back and forth on a daily basis. And there's just with uncertainty, regardless of whether you know what it is from. We're going to see those fluctuations. But again, I you know, the agencies and the investors are really hedging for what we will hear from from the feds later this week.
0: Amy, you know, we we were talking again before we went live just about the the interest we're hearing right now from lenders just on the e-close thing, which it seems like we've been talking about for about seven years now. Um, But now there is legitimate momentum. And it was started by the pandemic. You know, one of many things lenders were freaking out about, rightfully so, a couple springs ago was in-person closings and, you know, caused us all to like really rethink like, why are we signing like everything else in the world is e-signed? Um, and, you know, so we started to see some momentum on the state side um, and it feels like, you know, we, we have good continued momentum. Any updates there or just thoughts on the pandemic's impact on getting much needed, uh, you know, remote uh, notarization and other legislation passed to clear the runway for this tech in our industry?
2: Yeah, I mean, like it looks like there's legislation, you know possibly that will pass to make a national law. There's various states are starting to move, the big states that had some challenges. So we're starting to see the regulatory hurdles you know, be less. I think right now there's a variety of hurdles outside, even the regulatory hurdles, including technology. That doesn't mean the technology isn't there to do it. It is there. It's getting, you know, it working with all the other systems and all the other parties, right? You need to be able to, as a borrower, get online. You need, as a settlement agent, to be prepared to close in that way. And we found various degrees of preparation and integration across these systems, um, making it Challenging at times. We had the greatest deal of success with RONs in our own in-house at First American. We are creating the docs. Um, and we also have a title and settlement. We built a special title and settle, a settlement group that is prepared to do RON and they do a high-touch handhold. Um, we were using a RON provider, in this case, notarize. Um, But really doing a lot of of setting the borrower expectations up front. This is how we're going to close. This is the benefits. This is what you need to do. This is the systems that you need to have. Hey, let's do a trial run. And that's proven to be really, really effective. So even though technology should, in a lot of ways, eliminate errors, be more seamless, be more convenient and frankly be more green because you don't have to drive down somewhere. We're not printing paper on dead trees. I mean, there's a lot of real positive benefits. It's a big change and getting everybody aligned and knowing what they need to do in that process is a lot of extra hand holding. So I think we're getting there, like we're learning in pockets, but for widespread universal change to move towards more online closings, it's going to take a lot more sort of heavy lift.
0: That's great to hear, because that was our last conference a couple months ago. It was one of the things that surprised me. We had a session, interactive session on... Just e-close in general, and that was a lot of the feedback was that, you know, some of the impediments, not even as much legislation, um, but individual like title agents and closing agents, their education level, getting them on the same page, and in some cases, the borrowers as well, and informing them of the difference in the change. So great to hear that at First American DocuTech, you guys are making that a big part of your operational strategy uh, as we head into the new year here. Definitely. Cool. Um, So the jobs report last week, Jody and Amy, you want to get both? Just a weird jobs report. Jobs in general in America, it's been a mixed bag of stuff, really. You know, the great resignation and just these, these shifts we're seeing in employment and employment desires. Jobs report last week, markets really didn't know how to react to it. Uh, uh, the ex- expectations were for 560,000 jobs to have been created in November. The number was 210, so a massive miss. At the same time, some of the underlying figures, uh, the unemployment rate nationally dropped by 0.4 percent. The labor force participation rate went up. There were some other underlying numbers. Um, and, you know, it caused markets just really kind of to to bounce around. Um, and you know, on your side of the business. Jody um you know you guys are you know a growing company with great culture so you're not seeing these things I'm sure nationwide but if it's the better.com employees or it's just you have to really like how you treat employees right today which is a great thing for our country like it's there's a different standard right now people want to be happy and love what they do for people that are great leaders right
1: yeah, absolutely. I think that there's a completely different mind shift coming out of the pandemic about what you need, right? It's not, you know, money isn't as important as family time. Um, so we see people that are looking to have that. We also are an interesting phenomenon in the mortgage industry because people are coming off of the best years ever. So, you know, now you start, well, you can't work, you can't work. 30 hours of overtime in a pay period, you know, we're not bonusing people to work on weekends. Um, So I think that it's interesting in the industry, because that was something that we were very fearful for people getting used to living on a certain compensation in 2020, and then expecting that same compensation as the market um, started to contract. So there are uh, there, I think that in order for companies to be successful if they're a growing company, it needs to be the great retention. Um, and we're working you know, with our employees. It's like, hey, ask um, our business. We have a, a business coach that our executives work with and he sent something out this morning that was great advice to everyone. Do the stay interview we interview to hire people on we do an exit interview are you interviewing your employees to uh, to get them to stay meaning are you listening to their feedback and able to implement changes that they want to increase their environment so we haven't seen the great resignation we've had a lot of conversations about compensation and Um, making sure that people understand that last year was a phenomenon. The beginning of this year was a phenomenon and hopefully, you know, putting them in the right position to be competitive in the market, but it's hard to retain employees in this environment.
0: Absolutely is. And uh, the great retention. I like that as Mm -hmm. well as the interviewing of existing employees. So uh, both great ideas. And I like, you know, also just having the conversation, you know, I think a lot of our lenders, like their mindset is like, our operational staff is making they've made so much more money than they normally had this last year and a half. I'm worried when volumes taper off that we're going to lose them. It's not. But like anything, communication. Right. Have the kind of the honest conversation with them about it right now. Okay. Amy, your thoughts on just the employment situation in general in America and anything you're seeing just, you know, within First American DocuTech uh, that is notable.
2: Well, let me take a slightly longer view. I mean, I see the the great resignation numbers and this you know, lower than expected jobs growth in a way doesn't shock me given my long-term view. I think that as inflation continues to provide pressure on margins, companies are going to look to cut costs. And the largest cost in almost any business is people. Um, So they will, you know, some are letting go of people, some will simply create less jobs. And in all cases, they will implement more automation. The use of bots, RPA um, will increase, and that's going to reduce jobs. And even at the very sort of micro, you know, see it every day level is minimum wage, perhaps is pushed up, you see more and more automated ordering at fast food, Um, you know, simply people jobs replaced by robot machine jobs, and that's going to cause labor challenges in the future. So I think you could see a pretty disparate impact where the great retention is retaining your highest performing employees and a lot of the lower level jobs are eliminated. And so you have this sort of problem compounded of lack of affordable housing and lack of, you know, sort of entry level, you know, less skilled higher paying jobs, because certainly wages are not keeping pace with inflation. So I see more challenges to come there. Something would have to intervene to not make that happen, in my opinion.
0: This is the last week in mortgage today. I'm Rich Swobinski with the Mortgage Collaborative, joined this week by Nationwide Mortgage Mortgage Bankers President Jody Hall, First American DocuTech President Amy Brandt. And just when you think you've seen it all in the mortgage industry, inventory is not at all time. Uh, according to Redfin, uh, the week ending November 28th, the lowest number of listings in recorded online history, evidently. Um, you know, this was inventory was incredibly low levels in the March, April, May time frame. And, um, you know, there was so much demand because it was spring and, you know, a million different things going on. And you know, we saw inventories go up a little bit. Now they've kind of cascaded back down to those same levels. I think demand is not quite there because of affordability and a couple other issues. but really. Concerning Jody. I I I don't know what to make of this. I, you know, we've Ivy Zellman we've had on and she's got kind of a contrarian view that, you know, demographics are changing in America and maybe there's not as much of an inventory shortage, but I don't know. What do you what do you make of all this?
1: There's an inventory shortage where we're trying to lend. So maybe if it is demographic and people are looking for different places to live, there definitely is a shortage. And you just think about like at at my age, like I want to get rid of my primary residence and I want to downsize. Well, where am I going to go? So you think of the, you think of all of the I'm not a baby boomer, but um, you think of all the baby boomers who are looking to to downsize, but where are they going to go? They're going, you know, typically I want to step down as they become empty nesters. So they're not going to put their house in the market because they don't have an affordable house to go into to go into retirement. And I see a compounding issue. Yes, the, you know, it was supply chain was backed up. So builders couldn't build. Builders aren't incentivized to build affordable homes. And, you know, so they're building less homes that are higher are or higher value. Um, you, we have, there's, they have a shortage in the labor market. Um, There are tons of builders that are going out of business because they can't hire the people because of the unemployment and people not um, being more and more people not being in that um trade type of position. So they don't have the people to build. We um, do not disincentivize investors from buying up affordable lending. So again, we keep like adding to the demand through regulation and policies that are coming through, but we have done anything to increase the inventory to allow people to ha- be able to access homes. I don't see an end to it in, you know, the near years um, because we are so behind in building compared to the to the generations that are now coming into the market for purchasing.
0: Yeah, I mean, all pretty much, you know, the head of the National Association, it's five to seven million homes that we seem to be kind of underbuilt in America. And again, there's no, there are some things that could be done. It would have to be legislatively really to, you know, dispirit investors from buying up investment properties, maybe uh, making it a little bit more advantageous for individuals to sell them um, with tax breaks or, uh, but um, we'll see what happens. It's, you know, a winner is winner. I I, I feel like, you know, when we get on the other side of uh, the new year, this is really going to come to a head, and uh we'll see what happens. So, <clears throat> um, Amy, uh, want to get your thoughts on what we kind of talked about a little bit earlier in the show. First American DocuTech, guys are, you know, really at the forefront. Title, settlement services, document services, tech, automation. Uh, This is space that I've been joking on this show for a year. Like, what the hell? How, how do we like, – <laughs> How is it? How do we not have e-closes in the, you know, and we talked a little bit about some of the impediments, but what I hear now is every single lender member I talk to this, if it's not completely implemented, it is the top priority for them. Even if some of the states that they do a lot of business in still have anti-run legislation, they're like, it's just time to get ready because those walls are coming down. I have to imagine you're hearing and seeing and feeling the same at First American DocuTech.
2: Definitely. I mean, two years ago, we didn't just think of this during the pandemic, right? We had been working on e eClose for a while. And when we had gone out, you know, to our client base, we got mixed responses. We got those that were like, yes, we want to get digital as quickly as possible. Then we got a lot of responses like we don't want to be first. We have other things to do. Um, and now, now you're seeing those kind of chickens come home to roost, right? Because the, the race for doing that from a cost perspective, from a customer service perspective is really, you know, driving the demand. We still advocate that clients to be as quote E as they can be. In other words, if you can't do a full RON, do a hybrid. Um, start down, start that path, push that road, you know, uh, start paving more road there to get as digital as possible because there's a lot that you can do even short of RON um, to digitize your process. Then the other thing that we advocate our clients to do is look for partners that work well together. Again, the closing, from the beginning of the loan, trying to understand how you can path that digitally. In other words, how E that load could be from really inception. So you can set borrower expectations. So you can put it down the right process is important all the way through post-closing. And through that cycle, there's different partners. There's point of sale tools. There's loan origination software. There's post-closing software. There's title and settlement that is interacted with. So making sure that all those partners partners have as technically integrated as possible, and at least partnership integrated as possible, so that those handoffs and back and forths are smooth. And that's how you're best going to set yourself up. So it's no one vendor is going to come in and and make a difference. We obviously at First American think we have a lot of those pieces, right? Um, But we also realize we're going to interact with LOSs. We're going to interact with point of sale tools. We're going to interact with other title and settlement companies. So how can we make sure that we're playing well in the sandbox with them, integrating as deeply and technically as possible and working with our clients to make sure that their process flow is is as automated as it can be. And again, that's a a lot of work on both sides. And it's hard enough to get your own company to align to a single goal. Getting your partners to all work together can be a challenge. Um, But there's partners that will do it.
0: And I applaud you guys. You guys have always really been at the forefront of that in terms of working collaboratively with other stakeholders in the same, you know, neck of the woods that you guys are in and uh, the mortgage tech space. Cause not, and you know, we, we have partnerships with, you know, a lot of different third-party providers. And I can tell you that is not a unanimous uh, sentiment in terms of the uh, play well with others. Uh, Jody, you know, e-close, it's always been a vent- I, I joke all the time. It's not even a joke. We've been doing like the E you know, e-close, get yourself ready for, you know, that session at our conference every six months for six years. And the room is always packed, <laughs> like, you know, and I, now. But I just think it, because of a bunch of different reasons, state legislation, this, that, the last year and a half just being busy as hell. It seems like it just hasn't made it quite to the top um, of the to do list of lenders. It seems now like it's finally there. Uh, where are you at right now with, with e-clothes? And you guys are always out in front of everything, but i uh, love your perspective on it.
1: We aren't on this. Um, <laughs> we were one of the first. Um, we actually piloted the blend hybrid uh, clothes um, through their initial processes and we rolled out e-clothes. We didn't have the hybrid e-clothes. We didn't have a lot of buy-in. And my point was: I want to have buy-in and I want to have adoption from the hybrid so then we can make a like, okay, so if this really catches on, then we'll go to a a full remote e-closing. And we've never made it there. And it's kind of been like, you know what, if I'm going to have to sell every borrower on doing an electronic closing, I'm going to go do something else where I can get immediate impact from RPA or OCR technology. And that's where I'm going to spend my technology time is developing, enhancing things within the workflow that doesn't require me to um, hire additional people to keep to grow. Um, Amy says, we hire, we you know, uh, robotic process will put people out of jobs. We hope that we can just continue to double our business with the same number of people and keep growing what their capabilities are within it. Um, But eClose is not a place that we've spent a ton of time. And it's just because we've been spending a ton of time on that manufacturing process that isn't touching um, the borrower, isn't touching the loan officer um, because change is extremely difficult and it hasn't been a place where I felt as though we would get our biggest bang for our buck.
0: We just sent out, or I think we're getting ready to send out maybe tomorrow. I actually just finished writing it. We do a comprehensive survey that we send out to like, I don't know, seven, 800 key decision makers that are 258 lender members nationally, just taking their pulse on all the most pertinent issues in the mortgage industry. How important is this to you? How, you know, asking them, you know. Taking their pulse on all the most critical things going on in the industry right now. I'm guessing how that's going to come back uh, when we start to compile the results automation of tasks, um, work from home, just making sense of it, right? Productivity and maybe monitoring is too strong a word, but putting in place a little bit more of a work from home structure, so to speak, now that it's here to stay, at least on some level. Um, for lenders and a lot of efficiency related topics as lenders brace up and buckle up for uh, what is assuredly going to be a couple years, not as good as the last two, which are going to end up being the two best years in the history of the mortgage industry. Uh, Amy, any thoughts, predictions on uh, just the coming year, Um, things you expect to see, um, some things maybe other people aren't expecting that you think may happen?
2: I've been seeing a lot of clients looking at exactly what Jody's talking about, putting in task management, workflow management, and then other types of technologies to assist in the more manual portions of the process, including some of the underwriting and calculations and clearing of conditions. There's just a lot of ticky-tack knowledge-specific tasks that go into the mortgage manufacturing process that could theoretically or ostensibly, or maybe in some cases already are, um, automated that need to be pulled together. So I see more and more clients going, how can I not necessarily wholesale change out my tech, but how can I layer my tech with these kinds of tools that allow us to be more efficient and effective? Because I think by and large, most originators have not yet seen the dollars to the bottom line benefit of technology investments.
0: Very well said. Jody, uh, any thoughts, predictions on uh, the coming year?
1: <clears throat> well, the Browns are not going to win the Super Bowl.
2: <laughs> um Aww.
1: So um, I, I'll put a lot of money on that one. Um, but no, I think that it's continued the same. You know, we in the mortgage industry have talked about technology enough. Get off of your seats, get in the game and help move it forward so that I don't always have to be the one out there that is, um, you guys are learning from our failures. So- Right, um, we need other people. <laughs> we
0: don't need to lead 70 to 80 discussions at TMC a year. So we need uh, the rest of you guys out there to step it up. So-
1: yeah, for sure, <laughs> Let's go.
2: Let's go. More vicarious learning. That's
0: <laughs> great. <laughs> Jody, uh, as always, great seeing you. Um, I'm sure I'll see you before the holiday. If not, have a great one. And I uh, really appreciate you joining us again for this special edition of the 12, uh, t- uh, last week of Mortgage today. So, really appreciate it.
1: Awesome. Thank you for having me. Always a pleasure.
0: And Amy, as always, always enjoy the conversation. First American DocuTech, one of our earliest partners, goes back. Six years, I think. Yeah, we had like 20 members when you guys partnered with us. So uh, really just appreciate all you've done for our network, our members, and always appreciate uh, your perspective on the industry. Uh, thank you very much for for joining us.
2: My pleasure. Thank you for what you do.
0: Awesome. Well, have a great rest of the day, everyone. Uh, uh, I know I forget what is up next on 12 Days for today, uh, but uh, we've got a full slate all week. This kicks it off. So have a great rest of the week, everyone, and uh, we'll see you next Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern for The Last Week of Mortgage Today. Take care.
1: Thank you. Bye. Thank you.
2: For more information about how you can get involved with TMC Connect and witness the power of the network firsthand, please visit us at mortgagecollaborative.com.